You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Hello and welcome guys to another week of The Perth Property Show. I trust your week will be as exciting as ours here in the studio. We've got another really fun topic today. This morning, we've got Emma Thorpe from Mark Hay Realty back in today. We are obviously talking property management again. We are going to talk about conducting the right tenancy searches, background checks, making sure we've got the right people in and minimizing the chance that the people that we do get into our properties are maybe different from what we thought they were in the first place. It's about risk mitigation this morning, which is a big part of property ownership, property development, property investment in the first place in general. Emma, thank you. Hi, Trent. Thank you for having me again. So I guess it starts at the home open when you're there encouraging people to come through your property to to rent it. And my biggest suggestion here is that you encourage all people through those doors to apply for your property. Every Tom, Dick and Harry. Yeah, why not? What have you as owners got to lose? Yep. Absolutely zilch. So I really feel that that's a really good way to lease your property quicker is just by being open, welcome and encouraging everybody to don't, apply. Don't discriminate. That's right. So I might, you know, look at me, I, I wear a suit and tie every day, but on a Saturday and Sunday, I'm more often in Ugg boots and sweatpants. That's it, exactly. And at the end of the day, we don't want to judge a book by its cover. And sometimes the introverts, extroverts, we all, we all look different. But until we've got the particulars on paper, then we can make the decision on who you'd like into your valuable investment. One of the best tenants uh, in my family, my old man has got an apartment in Belmont. Yes. And this tenant, he calls himself Woofy. Okay. That's his first name, right? <laughs> Very simple sort of lad. He works in the mines. He's got tattoos all over his face and neck. Yeah. And he was straight up, I, I really struggled to find a tenancy based on my appearance. Mm-hmm. But please give me a chance. I promise you I'll be I'll be the best tenant you ever had. My old man thought, you know what? Let's let's give the guy a crack. Uh, he's a police officer. He likes to think that he can judge <laughs> a book well by its cover. And no joke, Wolfie is always about two months ahead in his rent. Yeah, wow. Fixes his own uh, maintenance problems yes. and is always messaging every couple of months saying thank you so much and this is two years later thank you so much for giving me a shot so i think the idea of not discriminating is 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 probably going to work out better than most absolutely and again we can't judge a book by its cover like you said you wear a suit but on on saturdays and sundays yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) right on um so importantly around discrimination is obviously we're not allowed to discriminate so things to be aware of that you're not allowed to discriminate against are obviously sex marital status pregnancy race religion and mental health so a few of those things are really common in in today's Mm. age mental health particularly so just be mindful of that when you are making a decision on who you'd like in your valuable investment that you are not discriminating against those things well how do we make sure we're not getting caught up by someone who's just got a beef and calling us out on something that really wasn't the reason we didn't get them in in the first place best thing to do trent is to when you've got the application submitted in your hot little hands is to make handwritten notes on them so we're going to when we've got an application we're going to ask for at least 100 points of ID. So I'm sure those owners out there who aren't using an agent probably aren't asking for any ID. So I really recommend that we're asking for a driver's license, a passport, a bank card, a Medicare card, and highly recommend asking for a utilities account because what we want to check, Trent, is that our driver's license or our Medicare card with the addresses are matching up Mm -hmm. to 
our utilities account. And can you check if people that are coming through have paid their account? Can you check if they're behind in arrears? Because I've always found that's one of the biggest pains is when you're managing your own property with Watercorp especially and Synergy, they always come back to the owner if they're if the accounts are late or overdue. Yeah, that's right. So unfortunately with Synergy or any gas provider or Watercorp, we're unable to check that whether they've paid those on time. But the better checks to do is to call the person who's applied their current landlord, their previous landlord, their current workplace and their previous workplace. So I suggest that by the time you've made those first calls, you'll definitely have a good idea of who you're putting into your investment property for sure. Can we ask people for their bank statements? Absolutely. We do for sure. So we ask for a copy of bank statements, pay slips, a copy of their work contract. And really importantly as well is that the people that are applying for the property have valid visas. Now, I've done all this before and still gotten to a point where I've done a last check, social media, uh-huh. and realized that this person has a boyfriend who's just gone to jail and two extra kids and then what she's telling me and she's not working even though she says she is working. All these things come out. It's yeah. interesting how much stuff people idiotically put on Facebook on their public account that you can quickly check. Yeah, absolutely. Is that something that you're doing as a property manager as well? Yeah, absolutely. And in our office, we actually make that the first check. Because we learned quickly in our office that you do all these checks and balances and then you do the social media and then you work out you don't want to be there. So in our office, that's actually step one, So, <laughs> okay. which makes sense, right? Well, it's so funny how honest and open people are on social media Absolutely. and how much they fabricate their lives in an application form. Absolutely. And Trent, I, had one, I have one example of where I inherited a property from another property manager who did not do these checks and balances, particularly the social media one. Anyway, for a long story short, the night before I had to go to court to have them terminated for non-payment of rent, I did a little Google search of the tenant's name and this came up to be a cage fighting sword boy drug lord of Perth. So that was really interesting to me and something that we changed pretty quick in our office that we did these checks as well as, but particularly first before we move forward with their applications. Because if we'd done that first, we would have known that Mm. we didn't want to be there. Google knows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, this was about 10 years ago, so it was pretty out of the ordinary. But for today, I would definitely recommend all owners are doing these searches first. We're talking today to people, I guess, who uh, either don't want to or don't think they can afford property managers. And that's Mm -hmm. fair enough. A lot of people in town who have the time and capacity capabilities to manage their own property, especially if they've got one or two. It it is something that it's not rocket science if you're doing it properly, right? Yeah, sure. But in terms of getting all these checks done properly, is there a service that property managers can provide where it's just a, yeah, we'll find you the tenant and then you can you can manage it from then on? Yeah, absolutely. Now, not all agencies do that. Only some will offer this service, particularly in the market that we've seen where it's been such a challenge to even find tenants. Obviously, the cost involved to the agency and the owner can sometimes outweigh that. But look, Mm. moving forward, there is definitely a service that some agencies will offer private landlords, and that's what we generally call a let-only service. And what that is, is that your chosen agent will do the home opens for you. They'll process all of the applications 
for you. They will walk you through the steps on who you'd like to accept into your valuable investment. They'll create the lease for you. They'll do the sign up with the tenant. They may even do the property condition report for you. They'll lodge the bond for you and they'll do the hands over with the tenant on the day that the lease starts. So if I was a private landlord and I wasn't using a, a full service property manager, I would definitely be asking the question whether or not they'll offer you a lead only service. Now, I know there's no video here, but I'm, I'm giving you the money mm, signal. Yeah, What's sure. it going to cost me to, um, just for this? Look, uh, anywhere between two and four weeks rent, I would say, would be the base. You're probably getting off pretty well if you can get a property manager to do this for you for two weeks rent. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the letting fee alone generally will cost you two weeks rent for a full service. Yeah. Some discount brokers will probably just charge you two weeks rent, but a more professional um, property manager, they'd probably be around four weeks rent. Look, as a case study on my side, I've got a property that uh, I've subdivided, sold a piece of land off at the back and it's halfway through being built and I thought, oh, it's just going to be really hard. The tenant left halfway through the build. It's mm. been really hard to get someone in. So I went through a property manager and they presented to me the options of the uh, possible tenants. None of them were looking fantastic at the time. We chose a young lady with a kid uh, and a dog uh, and within a month, not paying rent not paying any of the, uh, the accounts and having to go through that whole process of court orders uh, getting through to termination. And as much as it was frustrating that I can put the blame back on them for just presenting poor options that shouldn't have come maybe to me in the first place, I do feel a little bit relieved that I don't have to go through that whole process of having to get them out myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess another important thing is that hopefully your agent did do the database checks. So we as agents have access to NTD database checks. What's and that? Um, so it's just a database check. National Tenancy yeah, Database? Yes, yep. correct. So Sorry, beg my pardon. Yeah. <laughs> so it's also Australia and New Zealand wide. So all agents have access to that where they can do a really quick check of the prospective tenant's name and passport number pretty much. And it'll come up whether they are defaulting a Australia. sort of. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So, And in other cases, it'll come up to show us that XYZ property management have just made an inquiry on this person. So if we do the checks and balances back from the application and the database check and we can see some inconsistencies there, we can work out who the property manager was that made the inquiry, phone them, and generally we'll find that the applicant has been fudging on their, their application and, and we can pick up there's a lie being made there so we can avoid that. Okay, and this database is only accessible to property Managers. That's right, it is. Yeah. Well, that's another reason I think that you would just spend a couple of weeks' rent if you can find a property manager who would that do it for do that it price. For let only, yeah. That database must be one of the best resources. Yeah, absolutely. There, There is two, NTD and the ticker database checks, but particularly NTD being Australia and New Zealand wide, it is a really good resource. Absolutely. All right. I think these are some good notes here just to risk mitigate. At the end of the day, we can't get it right all the time. Absolutely. Uh, as in my case, for example, but you can get as close as you can to choosing people who are just doing the right thing. And then that's all we need, right? We're just looking for people who are going to pay their rent. Yes. Not damage look after your place. property well. Yeah, that's right. And obviously the best way to maximize your return is to keep a really good tenant in your property for a mm. really long time. So that's what you that's the aim of the game. That's what you should be working towards. Well, I think a lot of people they probably shoot themselves in the foot by trying to, especially in this market where we are seeing a bit of rental rises. Have you had, had a few inquiries from your clients saying, hey, can we raise the rent? And then you do it and then maybe you get a bit of pushback from the tenant looking to move out? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few things. And, and in my experience, I don't have any stats around this, but I, 
I can pretty much guarantee you that if a property is leased a fair bit higher than market value, it's generally to a tenant who can't rent any other property. So I know that a teacher, an engineer, a business person, they're going to know how much rent they should be paying. So And at the end of the day, they're the tenants that we want to keep. Someone who doesn't know what the market is, doesn't care what the market is, and is going to pay $20 or $50 over market value, they're probably the tenants that we want to steer clear of anyway. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Emma, thanks for coming in. appreciate it. No probs. Thank you. We'll have you in soon. Okay. It's our first suburb spotlight for 2020. We are talking about Bateman, beautiful little suburb on the freeway just south of the river. We've got one lady to talk to. She's been in before, Jenny Gauchi. Thank you very much for coming in to talk Bateman. Thank you, Trent. It's lovely to be back and thank you for having me back. Guys, all the listeners out there, you'll remember Jenny. She's also the number one in Bull Creek just across from the freeway. We're going to talk about the similarities and differences between those suburbs as well and just really what's happening in the market now that summer's hit, we passed spring and we're looking to see some real rebound from one of these premium suburbs like Bateman into 2020. Jenny, what's going on? Let's talk about a bit of market vibe in Bateman, but also if you can give us a bit of background as well, something fun. Bateman's my little treasure. I call it a little treasure of a, of a suburb. There's only 1,500 properties in Bateman. I think the, the current population's around 3,700, the residents. So That's small. Very small. So it's a nice little niche of a, a suburb. So everybody wants to get in because of the school zones uh, and the proximity to the train, Fiona Stanley Hospital, Murdoch University, all the amenities are so close. It's a great little family suburb. It's got a private school, Corpus Christi and Yadara Primary, which are very, very popular as well. So it's got all the ingredients of a good family suburb to bring up the family. So for that reason, they don't last very long in Bateman. It's not a suburb I've driven through very often, and I would expect it's not a suburb many people have driven through, which really is a positive. It would have to be quite a quiet, leafy suburb that is a bit of a hidden secret to the people in the south. It is. Like I said, it's our hidden treasure. Bateman has come sort of more into the spotlight since the train station has come in. The train goes straight through Bateman on um, the right-hand side there. You've got the Bull Creek and the Murdoch station on either end of Bateman. So, of course, since that's come through, uh, we find that that came through around 2007 and you find that now people know where Bateman is. Is it part of one of the good state school zonings? Yes, it's in the Rossmoyne High School zone, which, as you know, is, is a very high-performing high school. And it's, called, it's got also the, the p- private school, which is the Corpus Christi. But Rossmoyne High School zone, closer to Leach Highway, you've got the train station. A lot of people like to buy little homes there because they can get close to the actual station as well. I think you'd agree with me. Bateman is not at a price point that's generally a first home buyer suburb. No, you're It's right. obviously on the top side of people getting in. The numbers really reflect a lot of Ross Moyne and Shelley in terms of pricing. Medium price at the moment is around 730 It doesn't fluctuate much. It's uh, usually always around there. I think the highest price point uh, the last six months would be $1,300,000. I just sold one for one point two, not that long ago, and that went within two weeks. What sort of people are buying in then? Are they those fairly successful young families getting ready to go into high school? Yes, yes. The baby boomers are virtually going out and the young families are coming in. The, the average age in Bateman is around 40 uh, and that's virtually because of the baby boomers pushing the, uh, the um, age 
bracket upwards. Otherwise, you find it's young families coming in for the children. So what's the difference? You're queen of Bull Creek and Bateman. No, I don't know about queen. Oh, I call you the queen. <laughs> what is the difference between demographics, lifestyle between these two suburbs? One's, one's quite a big suburb, one's quite a small suburb. I understand that. But what, is there much difference at all between not, the people not, that you talk to every day? Not a lot. Uh, most buyers who are looking for the school zone will say to me, Jenny, you know, anything in Bull Creek or Bateman that sits in the Rosswyn High School zone. So we do have buyers that we take to both. Um, some people want to be closer to Rossmoyne, so of course the families that want to be closer to Rossmoyne will, will buy in B- Bull Creek because it, it's in walking distance. But otherwise, they will look in Bateman. There's not a lot to choose from in Bateman. Any given time, there's not a lot of properties for sale. So I suppose, you know, Bull Creek uh, tends to sort of cater more for the families who want the big homes. Quicker. That's right. You can get a lot more. I guess you've got to get lucky when you're, when you're talking Bateman as a buyer. It really would be about timing. Yes. Unless you're looking to knock down a house. All knockdowns, yeah, and subdivisible. I mean, I've just sold a, a, a property in Nolan Way, great corner. As you know, the corners are 20. They're all snapping them up. And uh, that went for about 820. It's two blocks, around 400-odd square metres each. Fantastic blocks, so 14-metre frontage. Very rare to find a block. Well, there wouldn't be very many corners left. In no, the payment order no most of them all been picked up very quickly. All right, let's talk about price points. Not a lot of houses to pick off on a yearly basis, but can we get in cheap for a downsizer or a young person trying to get in the suburb? Are there any old flats or old villas, no. anything like that, or no. they just don't exist? No no flats in, in Bateman. Uh, the smallest entry point would be a, a duplex half or a little villa. Uh, the duplex half's virtually around the low 400s. Uh, one just went under 400, about 380, I believe, and that was on the corner of Leach Highway and Electra Street which is a very busy intersection. But that gives you a bit of an idea of the entry point. Land, I've just sold land for around 480, 500. What's that going per square metre at the moment? About 1,000. Yeah, okay. About 1,000, depending on the location. Okay. The vintage of these houses, Ooh. are they 70s, are they 80s? Are there a, a lot of them a mix now of just, you know, knock down newer ones? Well, the development of Bateman was in the 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's when the subdivisions and everything was done. So a lot of the properties that were built probably in the 70s, most of those are timber floors with, without the concrete. Wow. Yeah, they've got the... Bit of history there. Bit of I history didn't realise Bateman was that old. That's it's, post-war style, really. Yeah, well, it's it's like I say, in the nineteenth, in the sixties, is when the uh, pine trees were all there. You probably remember? I don't know. You're probably young. Certainly too not young me. To remember <laughs> me. No, but they were all pine trees. They you know, sort of developed all that area in the sixties, nineteen sixties, and then uh, by the seventies, all the uh, display homes were all starting up and um, yeah, up and going. So a lot of those original still with a timber floor. Yes. Is anyone trying to renovate those, or are they really oh, just yes. trying to build big homes on them? No, a lot of the people who buy them. Uh, sort of sand down the beautiful floors you can tell the old floors and um, renovate them but you know most of them are virtually land value now so it's just for them to stay in for the next five years or so until they can afford to knock it down and build their dream home and how big are those lots a lot of them are fairly big uh trent they're about some of them are around 800 750 750 would be the the average some of them do go up to about 800 so if we're paying a thousand bucks a square meter for a piece of land anyway uh, how is it that we've got a median house price lower than the average lot size? But don't forget, virgin land is a different price to house and land. Yep, so there's a little you know, bit of differential right. there. You've okay. got to knock down the house. There's a bit of work to be done to get to a virgin land. Yeah, okay. All right. So we can pick something up in the late sixes, 
Early sevens then in that in space? In the Rossmoyne zone, I'd say yes. Late, late sixes, early sevens if it was uh, just land value. If it was quite uh, neat and tidy, you'd be looking probably mid sevens plus. Okay, so these are the houses that you've got a bit of op- opportunity to renovate and knock down at yep. some point in the future. What about these nicer homes that have been built in the last 10, 15 years? What are they going for? Okay, uh, the Nobelimba estate is the latest estate that was built that was about 15 years ago. It was an old uh, sporting centre. It's a government land. Uh, people were actually, I remember, people were actually camping outside to get the blocks. Wow. The average blocks around 500 square metres. Well, it's 500, the, probably the, the largest. Uh, they were around 500 square metres. And they all about a million plus. They're all mansion homes. Beautiful. Yep. There's a little pocket which is zoned R40, which is all uh, townhouses. But other than that, they'd be the most expensive properties that you'd find. Well, you said that it was only 1.3 mil would be sort of the most expensive you've seen sold recently. So they're right up there. They are right up there. Uh, Most of the ones that have sold over a million dollars would be all in Noah Limba. Uh, The one I sold was in Brook Brook Gardens, which backs onto Noah Limba. It was a beautiful home, though. It was an architecturally designed home. That went for 1.2. Okay, let's talk about development. Do you see any opportunity or appetite in such a small suburb for any more development than corner lots in the near future or is it really going to be protected? I mean, you've got the Canning Precinct just yeah. north of Bateman that is obviously going through a lot of rezoning. Boragoon's got it. Bateman, for me, I see it as a suburb that really should be protected. It's a family area. No, Trent, it's on the agenda. Wow. Uh, Melville Council have it on the agenda. It's been on the agenda for eight years. Melville Council don't work that fast, unfortunately. <laughs> well, they're one of the faster, surprisingly. <laughs> They have gone to different precincts. They've just done the Risley Street Precinct and the Canning Bridge, as you just mentioned, and they've put Bateman on the back burner because I was speaking to a councillor just a few weeks back. They are going to be looking at Bateman next. There's the section near the hospital, near South Street. That will be medium to high density and also towards the the Bull Creek Station that will be medium to high density. So both ends of Bateman are being looked at rezoning. So is that really right on the rim there of South Street and the freeway, bringing in possibly... About 100 metres, like, 100 metres Yeah, metres just in. that yes. last ring That's of it. houses where we might be looking at townhouses or, or apart, small apartment developments. Correct. Everything else stays as it is. But, you know, the million-dollar question is how far does it go in and which homes and, and which streets are going to go under that zoning. Sounds like a Dunkraig to me. Obviously, Bateman, given that smaller, less variance of properties, yes. its median house price is higher than Dunkraig's, but similar sort of demographic where they're, they're, they've done a strategic medium to high density hit there right next to the train station just where people could make the most of it. Everywhere else has been left alone. Well, that's the trend. The trend uh, was virtually north of the river when the station went in. Uh, that's the trend and that's going to be happening down south as well. Bateman uh, and Bull Creek, both of those uh, sections close to the train station traditionally always get changed to medium to high density as you said in Duncraig and a few other northern suburbs. Uh, we're just waiting now for the, the Bateman Bull Creek section and further down. Well, there you go. Medium term holds. Smart people would have that in their back pocket when they're looking at purchasing what right now might seem a less attractive option will eventually be quite a good development option to be holding. Definitely. If you're an investor and you just want to uh, hold on to it for a little while, it's definitely the way to go because it's the land component that's going to give you the growth. You just mentioned earlier corn a lot, so I just want to quickly run that through with you again. People are selling those at about 800 grand. Yes, yes, definitely. There's about 800 square metres. Yes. 
and they're going for about a thousand a square. A thousand a square meter. Uh, the one I've just sold did have a, a planning commission approval in place. Yep. So the a little bit that, of de-risking. That's right. I'm the not seeing factors. a lot of profit there at the moment. Is uh, most people simply just selling what they've already had? I can't imagine there are many people going in, getting a corner lot, and then cutting it up for profit. There's nothing in it at that price. Correct. There's not a lot in it, but you find majority of people who are going to do a, a subdivision like that maybe want to hold on to one block themselves and build their dream home okay. and uh, sell the other So they're buying down so they can sell their debt down a little that's bit. That's right. Yep. That's right. And it's a way of them paying a lower price for a block. They do the work themselves. Yeah. No, look, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it. And that's, that's probably something we haven't touched on a lot in the podcast is that there are also a good enough amount of people that do subdivisions simply to create their own lifestyle on a smaller lot to pay down debt and aren't really thinking about profit first. It would be part of the agenda, but more savings towards a lifestyle they can afford. That's right. It's your mum and dads out there who want to get uh, ahead and build their dream home for their family. I mean, the, the, the large 700 square metre block plus is a thing of the past now. It's a dream. If you've got it, it's great. But most people are happy with 500 is large these days. I think the average is, what, 385? Yeah, in something Perth? silly. Yes. In, in, in an infill so 500, 500 is, is a good is block. a large block. Yeah. So if you can get anything around 450 plus, you're doing really well. Yep. All right. Let's talk to the median house price. And You've already given us an insight into that. Jenny Gauchi, number one agent in Bateman. Tell us again what the median house price is. Bateman, 730. Now, if you had 730 in your handbag, I think it is today, <laughs> what would you buy with $730,000 today in Bateman if you have the opportunity? Right. Well, I'd look for something with land component and uh, look into the zoning and find something that's in the great location that I could possibly subdivide in the future so and hold on to it. we're making a little bit of a future bet on that density play near oh, the train station. It's definitely going to happen. Can um, we get it for that price? Oh, yes. Yes, yep. you could at the moment. I mean, the market's a buyer's market at the moment. So, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Jenny Gauchi, thank you very much. I really appreciate, uh, well, this is the second time you're coming in and welcome to 2020. Let's hope that you've got some great numbers and at the end of this year, you're not only number one of Bull Creek and Bateman, you're also number one of Leeming. Go for it. Thank you, Trent. And I know it's going to be a fantastic year, 2020. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!